let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Let's bow his in order of prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we humbly come before the throne of grace, realizing and recognizing Heavenly Father that we are in the last hour and the token has been applied. Father, we are ready for the flight. And Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you may help us to keep watching. Father, dear Lord God, for such an hour, like we don't expect you may come. But we pray, Heavenly Father, that we may be in the Word, that the Word may introduce us to the Bridegroom. Be gracious, Heavenly Father, as we commit the Word that's going to be told tonight. Father, dear Lord God, I pray that you may anoint it to the hearts of your children. You are the interpreter of your own word, Lord. I pray that you may just plant it in the area. Father, dear Lord God, where all your children need it for the journey that still lays ahead of us. Bless the hearts of your children. Father, I pray that you may answer their needs, Lord God. Bless the ministers, Heavenly Father, who labor. Father, you are the only one, Lord God, who can get us all, Father, out of this wicked world. We are waiting and watching. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Give us the grace of humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. You see, as I was coming down, Brother Tim was driving and we were coming, I was thinking. And I said one thing, why God could never use Lucifer is because he had several eyes. You know, and that was his only problem. A believer should not have an eye. You know? But Lucifer had quite several of them. In uh, Isaiah chapter 14, he says that I will ascend. I will exalt the throne. I will sit also upon the mount. I will ascend above the clouds. I will be like the most high. You see, he had so many wild ambitions. It was always the eye that was ahead of him. I and I and I and I and I. But when it comes to Paul, his eye was dead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says, it's only Christ that's alive in me. Amen. We need to diffuse in Christ in such a way that if we have to be found, somebody has to look for Christ. Isn't that scripture? Yeah, that he, we, you know, we are the body of Christ. And members in particular. So if anybody has to look for you, let him look for Christ. If they find Christ, they find you. Amen. We are hidden in Christ. Amen. And waiting for such a day when he comes, we shall be revealed together with him. So from today, as far as the eye is concerned, we are a mystery. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5. Oh, I mean uh, Philippians chapter 2 first. Amen. And then we shall go to First Peter chapter 5. 
Philippians 2.5, he says, let this mind be in you. And now, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the mind is then described in verse 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not lovely to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. May the Lord add blessing the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, First Peter here, chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that you may be exalted in due time. So today I want to speak uh, in the last service on humility. Humility is very important. You know the spoken word works by way of humility. And so we are saying that we have fed on the word and the time has come for us to use the word but that word can only work through the channel of humility amen so i'm going to speak on humility tonight so the scripture says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus and this mind here was that when God, I mean Christ was in the form of God, or you know, when he came down here on man, while he was God, when he came down here as man, I mean, he did not uh, at all try to take that divine element ahead of the human element. You see, because he came in the form of a man. And every time he did what he did, he was doing it as a man. And then he says, I do nothing unless I see my father do. Which means that he was completely subject to the father. And that was humility. You know, he condescended from heaven, from the pale white gates, to become a man to test my suffering, to go through my temptation, to know how to be right kind of a mediator. That's the way Brother Branham describes him. You see, that was humility. All the way from the party gates of heaven, come down into the form of a man, and even come to the lowest form of death, which was the death of a criminal. You see, that was obedience. So, verse 8, it says, And being found in fashion as a man. You know, the word as a man. Meaning that he was greater than a man, but was only in the fashion as a man. And he accepted to live in that fashion, Operate in that fashion, work in that fashion, that is humility. Amen. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even the death of the cross. Now, obedience is a natural element. <laughs> he became obedient, meaning that he took a certain form of effort to become. You see, when you become, it means that you offered yourself to come to a certain designation. And then, because he was obedient, God gave him his character to manifest. And then, in John chapter 17, verse 6, he says, I have manifested thy name. Through that humility, the people saw a man. He did not want to confuse that, because he came on a mission to be a kinsman. And we know the law of a kinsman, you know, uh, the kinsman had to be of the same kinship with the person that was supposed to be redeemed. So when he came down, he came in the form of a man. So the people saw a man whom God had given his character to manifest. Amen. So, you know when he says, I've manifested thy name, a name is synonymous with character. Amen. A name biblically was the prophecy of what the character of the person was. Amen. So, when somebody was given a name, he was given a name to display the character that laid behind him. And she was called Eve, because she was mother of all living. And called that place Beersheba, because they, they swore both of them. They never gave a name that did not refer to the character. So, when the content of character changed, we see that the names changed also. Yeah, he says you are not going to be called Abraham anymore. You shall be called Abraham because. Because the content of character had changed. Abraham was going to display something beyond what he was displaying. And he says no longer Sarah, you shall be called Sarah. He says, oh, because of the revelation, thou shalt not be called Simon no more. You shall be called Peter. Uh Amen. He had all his weaknesses. But prophetically, God had seen that he was going to grow to display the character of a rock. And he says, thou art Peter. Amen. So now, when Jesus came down here, he says, I have manifested thy name. Meaning that I've displayed or demonstrated your character. Amen. The people have seen your nature through me. Amen. And for me to do that, it required me to humble down. To the extent that when the people look, they see a man, but it's just a form. Amen. Until Philip says, show us the Father. He says, look, Philip, I've been here with you all these years, and you do not know me. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Amen. That's why he says, I came in my Father's name. 
Amen. He was so low and so humble that he hid the mystery of God in a body of flesh. Amen. Now, in verse 10 he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every name, I mean every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. You see, you know, he humbled himself and then God lifted him. And gave him a name above all names because of the humility he displayed. So humility hands down the character of the word. Amen. To the believer. And this humility is the key for God to work in the believer's lives. Where there is no humility, the word does not work. You see, because I'm really working on concepts. That's the way I preach. Amen. I look at the end and then I try to understand how it comes to the end. So, you know, there was a, a man here called the prophet Brother Branham. <laughs> you know, he was literally man. There was nothing beyond that. But you know, because of his humility, God chose him to stand by his side. And then he says, I was not the son of man. I'm the only one that was near when he was revealing himself. Meaning that he chose my humility to, di- I mean to display or to manifest the great office. Of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man ministry in the end time. But you see, it takes humility in order to reveal. Because revealing has a connotation of something that is hidden. Yeah, it has to be hidden before it can be revealed. So now the hiding is a nature, it's a character. So, when he humbled himself, that was the way God would hide his character and then reveal it. So, the word of God worked through humility. Amen. Brother Branham says, because the very first step to successful Christianity and to show that man has received the Holy Spirit is humility. He says, God-given humility. Because the same character that was in Christ has come down into this man. So now the mind that was in Christ has taken a body again. (laughs) Amen. So remember that Isaiah needed to be taken before the throne for him to learn that humility is part of worship and service. He needed to understand that. And God was not ready to use him until he has taught him what it means to be humble. So, in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With the two he covered his face. 
and with the two he covered his feet, and with the two he did fly. So, and one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. So, I want you to look at what Isaiah has come before. He has come, and God says, look, here I am, and look at the kind of servants that serve me. And then he says, the servants that serve me, they have to cover their face in reverence, they have to cover their feet in humility before they go out in service. So you have to understand who that God is. So that you can cover your face in reverence. You've got a revelation of the supernatural being. Amen. You are not coming to religion, but you are coming to be exposed to a person, to a reality. A reality that you have the ability to revere, to respect, to glorify. And his greatness and omnipotence now causes a form of humility in you. That when you are going out to service, it's not you, but Christ in you, the great hope of glory. And after that training in humility, then God asks, whom shall we send? (laughs) Whom shall we send? And Isaiah said, here I am. I am going to God. So God requires humility before going to work with us. In whatsoever posting God places you, the word will work in you when there is a sense of humility. When you are timid, you you tremble, you are going before the people, you are not sure of yourself, you are just depending on God. Father, will you come and be gracious again? Will you come and take this verse over and use it? So that the people may not see the excellence of speech, but see the presence of Jehovah God in a human body of flesh. Because once you lose that, then you come flying, you fly higher than who Jehovah is, you fly higher than the people you are going to work with, and then the people see, of course, he had to operate that way. He is so intelligent. He is a special character. We expected that of him. But you see, there is a sense of fear. There is a sense that Isaiah was able to see. A sense that completely ailed him when he saw these beings that had never seen before. And the reverence they gave God. And the way they lived in that presence, it completely intimidated Isaiah. And he says, woe unto me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And Isaiah was coming from the background of great men, wonderful people. He sat together with the king all the time. He was the friend of royalty. You see, but God now is showing to him that all that you saw and all that you were and all that was around you was totally nothing. Come and see the greatness of Jehovah. 
And what Isaiah got into that presence, he says, Woe unto me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. He looked at this man, the way they had the honor to their Jehovah God, the way they worshipped him, and everyone was confessing the greatness of Jehovah. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And the other one would answer back and say, Amen, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Amen. Listen here. Brother Branham in the message experiences. And this is one of, you know, when he was uh, coming in to uh, do recordings. And this is 1947. You know, he was in a place and the brother stood up. And he spoke these words about Brother Branham. He says, in the ministry, now we will soon be 34 years. That's the man saying he's soon going to be 34 years. Of hundreds and hundreds of preachers of the different faiths and of our own faith, the Pentecostal faith, I've never yet met a man manifesting humility from day to day that Brother Branham manifests. The weight of this is crushing the very life out of him. You don't realize what it means to fight powers of darkness and all powers of the enemy are turned loose against him. You perhaps only have a small portion against you. Amen. He says, but I have seen this man here fight forces, fight feelings, but he knows how to deal with the situation. He gets in a congregation and he can catch how those forces are fighting against the ministry. But yet he says, this man had a gift of humbling himself. So that out of humility, God can reveal himself. And then Paul says, let this mind be in you. That was in Christ Jesus. The mind to humble yourself under the word. So he could not listen now because these are principles. You see, we know that before the foundation of the earth, Elohim existed in his might, glory, and power. Before there was an atom, before there was any form of existence, he was there. But then, when he wanted to create, he says, I'll condescend. You see, he could do nothing until he condescended. And then he says, I'm now going to take on the form of a theophany. Because when I create man, man is going to come forth in my form and my likeness. That was real great humility. That the great eternal super one wanted to share his nature and likeness and image with man. See? He says this is the only way now. So he humbled himself before he could say, let there be. So there we see the word working through humility again. And he says, let this Mind being you, that was in Christ Jesus. 
It was the same mind that was in Elohim when he condescended and came into the form of a Logos, a visible spirit. And he says, I'm going to share my nature with man, my likeness. And then he says, well, I'm going to be the God of heaven and he's going to be the God of the earth. That was humility when you allow men to be like you. Amen. Humility is accepting to be equal with your brothers. There is no lordship. We've got only one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. My, 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 my. He says, I'm going to give my nature to man. And this is what God is looking for. That if the church can have that kind of mind, then we can see God work through the church. Humility in the ministry. Humility in the people. Humility in the entire congregation. Now God begins to work through because he has found vessels that meet his merits. Amen. We are talking about humility tonight. That's the only way God can work. You know, when he came into Capernaum, he found a centurion who was coming looking for the master. And he came and said, Oh, Lord. You see, that's one was something great. You know, he said, Lord. You know, he recognized his lordship. That was humility. He began from a, a, humble, a, a, a humble recognition. And this man here was a general. He was a centurion. He was a commander. And this man Christ here, he was so low among the people. Amen. That he said, he, you know, foxes have holes where to lay their heads, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was already sweating and drying and walking through the sun, clustering his shawl in his toes, and he kind of got a nod of some nature around him. But this man here, when he wanted the word to move and walk in his life, he said, Lord. He humbled himself before the word. I humbled myself before thee. And then he says, My servant lieth at home sick of palsy, grievously tormented. He knew how to pull it out of him. <laughs> he knew how to get the word working. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There was a sense of humility. The word we have, yes and amen. But if the word is going to work, the word works through humility. And Jesus says unto him, I'll come and heal him. <laughs> Can you imagine? But then the centurion answered saying, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm not worthy. And speak the word only, and my servant shall be well. He had such a great revelation. This general here, he had a lot of property among the people. And he did a lot of great, you know, works of, uh, uh, you know, benevolent works. He helped them build tabernacles and temples. He was rich. But he was standing before the gift of God. And he said, Lord, 
Could you imagine that? It was such a way of humility. Then the master says, I'll come and heal him. And then he says, no, I'm not worthy that you come under the roof of my house. Amen. You just speak the word and my servant will be well. So this centurion here was standing on the principle of humility. He recognized the authority under which Christ operated. Oh, hallelujah. He understood the authority under which Christ operated. He had the revelation of the Godhead bodily. Can you imagine this centurion? He knew this was more than a man. He said, Lord. Amen. Amen. This is the only second man maybe you can find who had a true understanding of who Christ was when he was here on earth. He said you are the Lord. Amen. He understood that all the powers of heaven stands behind God's beloved son. In whom God was well pleased to dwell. And then express through humility. Then the centurion said, listen, Jehovah, I'm not worth that you come under my house. Because I stand on a principle. I am a man under authority. As long as I'm under that authority, I can exercise authority. He says, when I tell the men under me, go. I don't tell them because of me. I tell them because of the authority that I represent. When I tell them, go, they go. When I tell them, come, they come. Are you together with me? So he recognizes that by being under authority, you can exercise authority. So the centurion understood authority by humility. As long as he was under authority, he knew that all the power was in his hands. The Lord Jesus knew that. And he told his disciples, as my father sent me, so send I you. That all the power of heaven stood behind me. And if you go under the same authority, all the power of heaven stands behind you. So he knew that Christ was the condescending of Jehovah. Who says, I come down here to manifest thy name. So he knew that in Christ, God was able to exercise his authority and power as a healer, as a savior, as great love, as, you know, all that he had need of. And so he knew that. He says, Christ here, he stands under the authority of the heavenly father. So today, if the church realizes that we are Christ in a many-membered body. It will release the manifestation of all the promises that we are heirs to. You see, 
So God is interested in building the character of humility in the body. Because he knows that's the only way his work can work through them. Let this mind be in you. I'm going to call it the nature of humility. That the word may work through you. You see, humility does not come as a gift because it's a character. So God allows certain things to come our way that character can be formed. And once character is formed, then we can step into our inheritance of all the promises that God has given to the bride. The word can now work through us. You sometimes, you know, being a pastor, I know very well what people go through. Many of them come to you and they are crying, I don't know why this thing is coming in my life. I don't know why I'm having this struggle. I just can't sleep. I have this and I have that. You know, they just do not realize that God is building character. In the last six months, I've lost my jobs. You just don't know God is allowing character to be built. I do not know. I was trying to get into a relationship, but then this boy dropped me. You just don't realize that God is allowing you to build character before you can become heir to his promises. Because that's the principle. He says, let this mind be in you. So God will make sure that this mind dwells on the inside of every believer through whom the word of God is going to work. Because, see, all the exploits that Christ was able to exercise, he exercised them on the principle of humility. He says, I do nothing unless I see my father do. So he had to allow the father to have total preeminence. In order for him to become a savior, it was necessary for him to condescend, come into a state of humility. The word had to come a body in order to play the work of a kinsman. Hallelujah! When he was going to make Adam, he says, well, I'm going to condescend. I'm going to come down and manifest myself as a spirit being as a theophany. And then he makes Adam on that angle. And Adam was the leader of all the creation of the earth. The same way the Holy Ghost leads a believer today. He was the spirit of inspiration. But when Adam sinned now, and he fell, he did not fall as a spirit. He fell as a body. And then God says, yes sir, for me to gain back my son, again I need more humility. And then he says, I'm going to go down in a body of flesh in order to redeem man. 
And then Paul tells the Hebrews, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That's the devil. Ah, he says, yes, I'm still going to come on the same level with you. That I may be able to redeem you into my level. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he had to become a kinsman with reflections of both God and man. Because he had to be God in order to redeem us back to him. But yet he had to be man in order to reach us. So he had to play those two natures together. When he was overwhelmed by emotion at the grave of Lazarus, that was the character and the nature of a man. But when he turned around and says, Lazarus, come forth, that was God. When he was hungry, that was a man. But when he turned around looking for something to eat off of the tree and there was nothing, he cast the tree, took back the life. That was God. Amen. That was a man when he slept in the boat, but when he rose and he said, Storm cease, that was God. When he died at the cross, that was a man. But when he gave back life to his own body, that was God. So he humbled himself so much that if there was anything that had to come through him, the people would see God. Are you together with him? So both characters lived together. He came and lived next to the human character so that he could redeem our character back into our character. Because we were a fallen character. We are redeemed into divine character. The evidence of the new path is the manifestation of character. Because what fell, what we lost, is the image and likeness. So our redemption is the restoration of the image and likeness, which was the character of dominion. Hallelujah. Amen. In the message identification, the prophet says, Oh, no other nature could do this. He was the molded, perfect character of God. For it was the foreign character that all nature had. All men had a foreign character. And everything that was under man fell. Everything has got a dying character. And he had a living character. So he expressed it in Christ. And he paid the price. Amen. He was God's expressed image. In him was God in Christ revealing himself to the world. And no love could ever be greater than that. That such a person would become what he did in order to redeem what he had been lost. God projecting himself to make a plan of redemption to redeem this foreign character of ours. Hallelujah. So he had to redeem a character. He had to come as a living character to redeem a dying character. Amen. So Christ came to manifest redemptive character of the invisible God. Are you together with me? 
Yes sir. And in order to do that, humility. He condescended. He came to our level so that he can lift us to his level. Humble thyself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you in due time. Hebrews 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed here of all things by whom also we, he made the world. Now, in the Old Testament, he spoke through the prophets. Thus says the Lord. But in the New Testament, he takes an expression. Amen. He takes an expression. Verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Hallelujah. So he came to reveal the attributes of the invisible God. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Because we had lost touch with those attributes. The attributes of the Spirit God. When he came down on Mount Sinai, he was thundering and lightening. The people ran away. They said, we can't handle this. So God could not express his attributes that way. So he said, since they fell down into a body of flesh, I will also go down in a body of flesh. That is humility. So he came then and he says, in Christ, I'm going to display my character. Amen. So he came to display his attributes. And attributes means character. It means the aspects. It means the quality of personality. Amen. But these attributes are what we would call inseparable properties. You cannot separate them and he remains God. Are you together with me? It's just you cannot pull oxygen out of the water and it remains water. It becomes something else. So the attributes are inseparable. They are the definition of Jehovah. And he says I'm going to take these attributes and manifest them through my son. And he says, I have manifested thy name. I have manifested thy character. I have manifested thy attributes. Amen. Amen. So in Christ, therefore, God molded his redemptive character. He manifested himself and molded himself in Christ as a savior, as a healer, as love, as king, as grace. As all that we have need of, all that was in Christ. But how did that word work? It could only work through humility. As long as he was in the spirit being, that could not manifest. So he said, I'll go down in the body of flesh. I'll put my tent, I'll put my tabernacle next to that one of Peter, John and James. And I'm going to come to a time and remove that tabernacle, reveal the inner glory. And they said, Father, 
together with me. You see, this is what God is doing. He says that I was in Christ and I want to dwell in you. And what I was able to do in Christ, I want to do it through you. But then you must come on the same principle, humility. Are you together with me? So Messiah was the manifestation of the character of God. And our redemption is the restoration of character. Amen. God would like to break our character before he can work through us. He breaks the character. He breaks the eye problem. So that he can project through us. Hallelujah. He had to break the character of Paul. So that he could work through him. He wants to break your character. That he can work through you. Listen friends. In the message spiritual adoption. He says. In order to stay with God. Stay gentle. God is gentle. In order to stay with God. Stay with love. God is love. Stay meek. Not ever be self-sufficient. Always rely upon him. Never use your own mind. Take his thoughts. Let his thoughts be your thoughts. And take them into your carnal mind and repeat them over. And say, oh God, take all my doubt away. Let my thought be your thoughts. And you sick people, do that as we are speaking. Just take away, cast away the thoughts of sickness. Take God's healing thoughts. Let them become your thoughts. That's what humility is. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. You are not being humble when you express your fears. You are not being humble when you don't speak what the word says. Your humility is to say, I am the son of God. Because those are the faults of God. I am an overcomer. Because those are the faults of God. I come from God. Because those are the faults of God. The faults of God is taking the word and stand behind it. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Just be positive. Amen. That's what God wants about you. Don't be negative. You have to be positive. Accept what God says. And that's what humility is. Amen. He broke Paul on the way to Damascus. <laughs> And he says, but when it pleased God, because God had broken him. Amen. He says, who art thou? Paul could not stand in that presence. He was broken. He came down. It was not the great soul anymore. God was establishing humility in the life of the man he was going to use. But when it, so after that, Paul says, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me to his grace to reveal his son in me. (laughs) To reveal his son in me. Why? Because Paul had been broken from soul. 
there was a character of humility that can now reveal the word. So his purpose in life was to reveal Christ and humility starts working in our lives when we are broken. In Numbers 12, verse 3, he says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. God had broken him from that kind of high status next to the throne, the general of the American army. God breaks him down because when you look at what Egypt was, you should be looking at the United States. That was the superpower of that time. And this was the second in heirship. He knew the throne was his. But you know, for God to use him, he broke him. He took him to Midian. Forty solid years. Solid years. To rub out everything. To rub out his reason. To rub out his training. Until God wanted to test him. God hiding in simplicity. He gave him a stick. And said go redeem my people. A general wouldn't think like that. He knew the power and the might of the Egyptian army. But God works in humility. And let me tell you, this body is here. They are very, very dangerous things. So dangerous that even when Melchizedek came into the body, he became hungry. Are you together with me? And even when Abraham looked at him, he saw a hungry man. And he says, just stay around. He looked so feeble, so tired, so dirty. And he says, why don't you wash your feet? That's the problem of this body here. That once you get into this body, there are certain factors which govern it. One of them is pride, boast, vulgarity. I am the greatest. Those things control the body. You do not want to be called brother so-and-so. They should attach my title, I'm Dr. So-and-so. You know, they should know I stand out wherever I go. And you know, wherever you start to talk, you are not talking about fellowship with brothers, but you are talking about your meeting senator, so and so and senator, but you are telling a poor little man who has nothing to do with senators. But it's the nature, and it controls the flesh. So, the scripture also tells us that when Jesus came into this body, those things governed that body. And the only way God can put this body into the condition of humility is to allow it to be tried. So that now character is not a gift, but it is a victory. 
and God does it for your own good because he wants to stay in your body and use you. Listen, he says in Hebrews 5, 8, Though he was the son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And I told you that obedience is a natural element. Are you together with me? And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation and all them that obeyed him. So for him to come, become the author of eternal salvation, hallelujah, he had to be humbled by the things that he suffered. He could have married a wife if he wanted. He made choices in life. And you remember the Holy Spirit telling the prophet, because you have made your own choosing. And he says, it's a hard way, but yet it is my way. And so God is looking at sons and daughters tonight that he wants to use. But he says, you must take a choosing. You must not go with the way of least resistance. You must stand and fight the battle of your change. Hallelujah. The bodies of flesh will always affect divine character. So it pleased the Father to allow pains in the earthly pilgrimage of his own sons so that the body could be put in the condition where the Word can work redemption for the people. So God knows why we go through situations in life. That's why God gave you the kind of boss at work that you have. He knows what he's doing. He allows it. He puts this kind of a boss. He calls you, look at this. He doesn't say, excuse me, sir. He says, hey, and you have to answer. What is he trying to do? He's allowing. He's cultivating character. Are you together with me? So, you know, he knows how to turn down these bodies of flesh so that the glory of God may be revealed in us. So, Revelation chapter 2 verse 2, I I want to finish somewhere. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. Have you ever seen patience without hard situations? He says, but I know. He knows all things. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our failures. He knows our temperaments. And he knows how to tone it down. The prophet says now the Lord God Almighty says, I know. There he is walking in the midst of his people. There is the chief shepherd of the flock. But does he hold back the persecution? Does he stem the tribulation? No. He does not. He simply says, 
I know your tribulation. I'm not at all unmindful of your suffering. What a stumbling block this is to so many people like Israel. They wonder if God really loves them. How can God be just and loving if he stands by and watches his people suffer? And he watches when I lose my job. And he watches when I'm losing my house. And he only says, I know, but I'm working on your character. Because you are so precious to me. Inside you there is a form of God that must be excavated through the beating of trials. Until the master's face can be seen through you. Amen. So is building character, and character comes with pain in order to produce the very life of Christ. Sometimes some of the people that are not tutored, when they look at a person out of this problem, then again into another problem, then into another problem, they do not know what God is doing. Simply because they are aware of his weaknesses and failures, they say God is judging him. You see, sometimes in this message when God is developing character out of somebody, some people call it a judgment. Let me tell you, an elect does not go through judgment. Here on earth and even in the life to come. His judgments were taken by Christ at Calvary. Hallelujah. And I want to explain that. Never you stay guilty that because I'm going through this and I'm going through that. Oh God is judging me. Then God doesn't love me. No sir. If you are elect. Your judgments were taken by Christ on Calvary. The scripture says, Cursed is he that hangs on a tree. So he took all your castles. He took all your judgments. Salvation cannot be based on God. I mean, can only be based on God's elective love. It's not what we do or we don't to do, but on God's elective love. Hallelujah. Amen. He took your judgments. He took your curses. What you are going through is God cultivating character. It's a training process. Because you are precious before the master. He wants to use you. He wants to help you stand on the platform of my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Amen. Listen friends. He took our curses. And now brother Branham says in this Pagaman age where men were humanizing salvation, having turned from the truth, salvation is of the Lord. Having cast aside, listen what they did, they cast aside the doctrine of election and opened wide the church door and their fellowship to any and all who subscribe to their tenets. 
Never mind the word. In this age of rapid degradation, there were still the few who had the measure of that faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only use that faith in acts of power, but with it to those who dared to say that they were saved simply on the grounds of joining church. They knew that no man could truly believe unto eternal life and the righteousness of God apart from the measure of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Are you together with him? I'm coming then. And today's church is filled with mental believers who endorse the virgin birth, the shed blood, going to church and taking communion and not born at all. It could be turned the other side. They endorse Godhead, serpent seed, adoption and this and church ages and are not born at all. Are you together with me? And are not reborn at all. Even so, in that third age was the same problem. Human faith wasn't enough then and it's not enough now. It takes the very faith of the Son of God to drop into a man's heart so that he can receive the Lord of glory into the temple not made with hands. So salvation is not something you study into. Salvation is a supernatural thing that can only be touched by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He takes away my human soul and he says, it's not by works, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Meaning that it's something so supernatural that God himself comes and gives it to me as a gift. He cannot give it to me as a gift and judge me neat. Are you together with me? So we are not believers by certain form of endorsements, but that there is something supernatural that has worked in our lives based on elective love. So now that means when that one happened, we have passed from death unto life. Hallelujah. John 5:24 very verily I say unto you he that be, heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has present tense everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Hallelujah. We step into his grace and grace cannot come to judgment. Hallelujah. Judgment means to be sentenced because you have offended the law. Are you together with me? But we are not in the law. Judgment comes because you have transgressed. And so the elect therefore cannot be judged, but can be chastised. Those are two different things now. <laughs> and the chastisement is the development of character. Yet judgment speaks of rejection. But you are not rejected. 
And so now, when the great chapter of faith was written, they picked up those great stars. Amen. Those great witnesses. The men that went through trials. Men like Abraham. Men like Moses. 40 years. And then the scripture says, by faith Moses. 25 years by faith Abraham. By faith Sarah. And he says, what can we say? There are some others who even went through the wilderness and seeking, but they did not find their hope. And yet by faith, they went through the travail. And then when it comes to the great chapter of chastisement, in chapter 12, he says, Wherefore seeing we also are encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses. These clouds that are in Hebrews 12, I mean 11, they went through trials, they went through pain, they went through different things. So he says, they are clouds. Cheer up, my brother. Cheer up, my sister. You are not in judgment, but you are in chastisement. <laughs> Hallelujah. God knew how to deal with Israel. When they transgressed, he sent them to Babylon. But when he sent them to Babylon, he sent them with the prophets and sent them with the pillow fire. <laughs> so when the time of your chastisement comes, realize here around you somewhere there is a pillow of fire, there is the presence of God, because you are not in judgment. But God is developing character, and after He develops character, He wants to work through your life. Oh, hallelujah! We thank God because we serve a God of love. He doesn't serve you today to lose you tomorrow. Hallelujah. So he knows how to deal with us. To develop character. That the word may work through us. Amen. He required humility for the word to work through him. We require humility for his word to work through us. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. God works through humility. I think let us leave it to that. God bless you. God bless you so much. Thank you. Let's stand up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you say that? My, 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 my. Oh, I, I don't know why you stopped. <laughs> I said, Brother Stephen, we have all night. I said, we have all night. You know, um, I was thinking as Brother Abali um, was ending, watching some of you, and it reminded me when I first learned what hockey was all about. My dad would take me down, we'd watch it in, the, in, in uh, uh, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, and as I was growing up, didn't have a clue how it worked. 
And my dad would jump out of the couch and he'd say, that's it, you take the puck, shoot it. We scored. And I'm going, what are you all excited about? But if, Because if, if you don't know how the game works, and if you don't buy into it, you can't get excited. But I bought into this a long time ago. And I know how it works. And I'm excited when I hear the Word of God. It's not, I don't, I'm not just wondering how, how we're going to win. We already won. Satan's already defeated. Amen. He, he came to the place, I will ascend, I will this, I will that. Jesus says, what was this? I will do nothing until the Father shows me first. So our, our power, Brother Bram says, our power is given through humility. And you know, so many people today, they think they're so great. I was dealing with a person not too long ago, and they said to me, do you know who I am? I said, no, but I know who I am. Like, they had a, they had a like Brother Ibali was saying, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Don't you know who you're dealing with? Don't know. I don't know. But I know one thing. I'm a son of the king. And when I hear a word like I heard tonight, I'll take that humility. I'll take that bowing down before our God and say, Lord, lead me in the very thoughts of God. Did you enjoy tonight? I've enjoyed the whole series. Can you imagine coming to a person and saying, I'm the greatest preacher of this message? Really? I told Brother Tim, I said, why are, we, why are you going to Africa? <laughs> Look at the, what they got in Africa. I said, we need the missionaries. We need the missionaries. And, I, you know, I know it's a blessing to go. And, and we do love you, Brother Stephen. We love what God's doing in Uganda. And uh, we can't go to Uganda, but the Holy Spirit brought Uganda to you. And on that day, when the bride comes through those glorious pearly gates, and the, uh, then the, the saints of Uganda come in their national robe, we're going to stand aside, Brother Stephen, as you lead your people into those gates. And we're going to say, God bless the saints of Uganda. We are around the throne of God. Amen. We'll continue to pray for Brother Stephen and what God is doing. I, I told him it must be inundating just to, to just to give yourselves and a hundred ministers come and meeting them on, on a Thursday and then trying to meet their needs and uh, the, to be with them and then be with your own church. So we thank God for God called men. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for a life. We're thankful for what we heard this evening. You know, we need to get out of that place, I think. You know, I think. Naaman, he never got his healing till he could humble himself to a prophet's message. And he thought we would get a better answer to his question. But God knows exactly what we needed. And God had the answer for us this weekend through a wonderful servant of God. And I want to praise him this evening. I want to thank him. You know, people, they run, they throw their stuff, and they do these things. I don't know how people sit back, honestly. I don't. I'm on this front seat. I'm sitting on the front of my seat. And I thought at one place my foot behind me was going to give way and I was going to fall over on the platform. And I thought, well, wouldn't that look silly? But not really. I would tell you I was on the edge of my seat and I fell over. 
I was on the edge of my seat, and I thank God. High and lifted up. Let's just sing that before we go high and lifted up in all His glory. Oh, high and lifted up in all His glory. High and
What a message, Lord. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. We're thankful for the gifts that you've placed within the body of Christ. Lord, your prophet said that you have given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, God's dress wear. So, Lord, we feel that that garment of God is being wrapped around this elected lady. No righteousness of our own, but the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that this reality will strike every heart, knowing that we are indeed in the closing moments of time. Praying, Lord, that our hearts will beat stronger and louder for that great change in the atoms. Lord, as we've heard the word this weekend, all I want to see is Jesus. Do you see this lovely one that's coming in plain view? Do you see this unveiling of God, the mighty God unveiled before us? Knowing that there is a standard being raised, Lord, and we are that standard. Lord, that we could take that word of God and it could become flesh within our lives. And realize, Lord, we've been called to this hour for such a time as this. Lord, bless your people. Lord, as they pray and as they seek the mind of God this week. They're not just caught up in the busyness of life, but they get caught up so they could get carried away. In the very presence of the great I Am. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Brother Stephen Ibali. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his ministry. We thank you for what you put him through. Lord, to mold him in the very character and very image of God. We don't take this as being any robbery, Lord. But let this mind that was in Christ be in you, who thought it was not robbery, to be equal with God. Lord, that we can put on the Lord Jesus, that we can put on his humility, and we will go through our sufferings and our trials and count it as joy. Lord, would you go with your children? May they go victorious. May they go rejoicing to know they have been called to this great calling. Bless them now. Bless our brother Ibali, Lord, in a special way as he journeys home. May God, your presence draw near that you would pour into him what he's poured out to us. Bless him. Bless your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just sing this one little chorus that's been going over my mind Friday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night? It's Jesus on the inside. He's working towards the outside. We haven't sang that for a long time. It's Jesus on the inside working towards the outside. 